Hello, Playdate. This is Ryan. This is Julia. And that's all of us this week. This week, we will not be talking about Playdate news or indie releases. But we will be talking about a recent catalog release called Recommendation Dog. And we're going to be discussing this game with its art director, Julia Minamata. Thanks for listening. Let's get started. Julia, thank you. I'm <laughs> so happy to have you here. And uh, I'm sure our listeners are too. Um, and for our listeners, if you have not read the episode title already, we are interviewing Julia Minamata, and, uh, who is the art director for Recommendation Dog. And I wanted to reach out to you specifically about that. But before we dive into Playdate stuff, I feel like we have just a little backstory to catch up our listeners on from you. Uh, I originally was uh, introduced to your work through the Crimson Diamond, which is a uh, sort of a, a Sierra online games inspired point and click mm -hmm. adventure. Um, maybe you can just give us the Cliff Notes version of how you got into uh, computer gaming and creating your own before we hop into your experience with Panic and uh, Sweet Baby Inc. and the Playdate game Recommendation Dog. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, I would say that my project, The Crimson Diamond, and, get, and, and myself getting started with that is what kind of led to all the other things. That's a really good place to start, actually. I, I, I'm not a software programmer or anything like that by trade. I, I started life as a freelance illustrator. I went to art college and I got a three-year diploma um, that I eventually converted into a Bachelor of Applied Arts Illustration. And I worked in, in mostly editorial illustration, which is newspapers and magazines for about 10 years during freelance. Uh, I'm an, so I'm an illustrator first. I'm a classically trained artist first. And from there, I started to delve into pixel art and learning how to do that by looking at you know, old Sierra screenshots, my favorite Sierra games, of course, being, you know, things like the Colonel's Bequest. I also love Secret of Monkey Island by LucasArts. Those those very specific limited color palettes, that particular EGA color palette, which is a very specific 16, well, it's not, it's, it doesn't have to be, but the default palette is a, a very specific 16 colors and kind of falling in love with that all over again, because I had grown up with those those games when I was a kid and had just fallen right into them being being someone who even to this day i'm not that much of a platformer like twitchy hunty shooty type of like uh, gamer that that adventure game style that genre of story focused and just exploration and character driven that stuff i i immediately like glommed onto as like a kind of a bookish kid and having kind of had a time where i stopped playing games for a while, like when I was in maybe later high school into college, coming back to it after, you know, doing a bit of freelance illustration here and there and trying to get into the pixel art, reintroducing myself to the old stuff and then getting acquainted with all the stuff that had happened between me being a kid playing the original, that type of classic point and click uh, text parser adventure games into this uh, this renaissance of indie gaming where all of a sudden you have people who are making stuff that's just about as good as the Sierra and LucasArts stuff but they're just one or, or two people small teams digital distribution meant that anyone could have their game up on Steam or any other storefront and I got super inspired by people like uh, Francisco Gonzalez who has made a, about I think eight Ben Jordan games all in his own 
He does wow. every aspect of it. And I'm seeing somebody, a YouTuber, which a YouTuber is starting to become a thing, you know, when I started to get into the pixel art, um, watching people let's play his games, Yahtzee Kroshaw's Chizomythos, which is another a series of games that people would play. And I, I eventually got around to playing too. I, I learned about the game engine that they both were using, which was Adventure Game Studio. And it was super inspiring to see that. I, I started to think, well, maybe this is something I can do because I, I could see what was possible. And that was really exciting for me. And and that's kind of how the Crimson Diamond started. It, it started as just pixel art rooms here and there. And it eventually I knitted it together into some type of thing that started to slowly resemble a game and along the way i would teach myself bit by bit adventure game studio i'd watch tutorials on youtube i would visit the forums if i had any questions that that i needed answering and it, it, i kind of feel like if i had approached this like i'm going to make a game that's seven to ten hours long i i would have been really intimidated by that because i had no idea what, what i was doing i i did a bit of computer programming in high school, but there was like Java and there was something called Turing, which we, it was a teaching program here um, that I think was developed in Toronto, at least on, in Ontario, a very basic type of programming, but I hadn't had anything like that for, you know, more than, you know, a decade and a half or a couple decades. And slowly teaching myself at Adventure Game Studio, which is a really ex uh, approachable game engine and getting getting access to this wonderful community of people. I started to yeah teach myself how to animate, teach myself scripting and functions and all that. And the game started to kind of congeal almost, almost on its own. And the story started to come together as well as I started to think about the setting and the characters that would be in there. And, and that's kind of how the Crimson Diamond got started. And from there, I started to get involved in other aspects of the game industry and meet, starting to meet a bunch of different people. Um, I, I could keep going. I feel like I got a roll on. Do, I, do you want to ask any questions before I move on? To Yeah, to I, I do. I, I didn't want to okay. interrupt. Oh, you, please, please, please. I'm so sorry. You are great. <laughs> but uh, yeah, actually, I did have a question about, you know, taking it way back to yeah. your art school days and you said that shortly thereafter you were working for a newspaper were you doing graphic design or layout or illustration or what were you doing for newspapers straight oh, out of it was college? in house uh, it, it was not an in-house position it would all be freelance stuff it would all be contract work and when i mean contract work i would mean co extremely short term contracts it would be you know 24 hours you turn around a piece or you know you you'd if it was like on for a monthly publication you would get a bit longer there, there's a um there's a our, our, our weekly news magazine is called mclean's here here in canada and i would i did like a monthly illustration for them um, for about seven or eight years, but it was all freelance. I mean, I, I never went into the office, and I never, I never met the art director. I'd been working with that whole entire time. I spoke to him once on the phone, maybe, but huh. uh, it was, it was all done by email. That's so, so interesting. <laughs> do you, do you have any of your newspaper illustrations available to see online? Anywhere? Yeah, abs absolutely. Yeah, if you go to juliaminamata.com, I have kind of like a landing page where it shows, you know, links to Recommendation Dog, which we'll talk about later, the Crimson Diamond, and my old my old Julia Minamata illustration portfolio site is also, uh, there's also a link to that. And I have a lot of my old published work on there. There's a lot of uh, McLean stuff. I've, I've done dozens and dozens of McLean work over the years. Uh, also, I worked for National Post, which is our kind of like uh, one of our newspapers that we have here in Canada. I've, I've done a couple of illustrations for the New Yorker, for Business Week, kind of all over the place. Um, and yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. I got a lot of really good experience. And I don't know if you're looking at the work right now, but you might notice that I, I do have a very flat art style. I use a very limited palette anyway. When I when I was doing some of my earliest uh, editorial illustration, I was doing silkscreen printing. 
And silkscreen printing has a, I was using maybe maximum six colors, six passes of colors. And I was actually using tonal dots to get in other colors and things like that. And using a limited color palette in Pixlark, I kind of really did gravitate toward those limited palettes because that's kind of what I liked to do. And that's what I liked to create in my own work anyway. In fact, I found the EGA color palette liberating because I got all of a sudden <laughs> I got access to 16 colors when before I was doing either either black and white or gray illustrations or yeah it was six color silkscreen printing yeah 16 is way more than six oh, yeah. colors <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole that's, new playground yeah that's awesome wow I, I am looking at them right now these are really great we'll make sure to link to <laughs> juliaminamata.com in today's show notes so if anybody wants to check these out you can the link is over to the left hand side as you enter the website site uh julia minamata illustration portfolio uh cool so thank you for taking us through that and i thought surely there must be some sort of a heavy art background for you because the crimson diamond is so gorgeous <laughs> I, I love looking at those illustrations and images that you've created for that game it just it takes me back to my childhood and the authenticity the colors and the pixel density everything is just oh, chef's kiss, <laughs> chef's kiss. So, Thank you so much. amazing work on that. Um, with regard to Crimson Diamond, you've been working on this for five-ish years at this point. Is that, um, is that correct? Kind of, yeah, basically more focused on it for about that long. Um, I do have an illustration blog. That's one of the links on the illustration site where you, you can see that I've actually been tinkering with it for many years previous to that. But I, I feel like I formally really, really started, started to get serious, more, more serious about it was when I first, after I first publicly showed the demo, which was in 2018, fall of like November of 2018, I would say is when it, when I first showed it publicly, just the first kind of a very, very, very rough version of the currently available demo which is was available on steam and itch.io and fireflower games but yeah that so that that's kind of where i feel like yeah, from late 2018 to about now i would say I've, I've more been focusing on it and also like leveling off on the, the illustration part of my my career because i eventually started pivoting away from that because it was actually really challenging to be a freelance illustrator i i actually um, I couldn't really make a living doing that and i was i was having trouble generating momentum which is why i did start to investigate this pixel art stuff that that was, I was really get you know I saw such incredible appeal there so what are you doing for uh, steady work now if you're not an illustrator anymore I am I've been doing contract work here and there I've been working on off of savings as well because I would just save money save money save money but yeah I mean I've done we'll talk probably later on in the show about this but yeah I've done contract work for strange scaffold there's this you know a space world organ trading simulator um there is uh, witch strandings there's recommendation dog I've I've worked with sweet baby who who produced recommendation dog on other types of uh, other types of gigs I've done some narrative consulting I've done some cultural um cultural sensitivity consulting with them and that's been a wonderful experience so uh, yeah I mean from my own my own little project I've been able to kind of make these wonderful connections with in other parts of the industry and gotten to to do more more contract work which is kind of like my bread and butter I've always been used to doing contract work because of my my previous experience as a freelance illustrator but um yeah just getting to be creative and collaborating with people which was just another thing I, I that I'd never done before um before I uh, started in in uh, gaming 
Cool. Very neat. Uh, I don't mean to put you on the spot, but do you have any sort of a rough estimation for when the Crimson Diamond <laughs> might be completed? Right right now we have a beta available to us, but is, is there a, a projected timeline for a, this is done? Yes, this year. <laughs> this year. Um, this year? This yes. year is only seven months Left. I know it's, that... it's painful. <laughs> it's painful to accept that it's already May, which is basically the year's half over. But uh, yeah, the 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 game is seven chapters. It's there's six gameplay chapters. I'm working on chapter six right now, and I'm about like halfway done chapter six. I feel like, and it's a short chapter, and and chapter seven will be kind of like at the branching endings that you get depending on on how well you've played the game and uh and a test of knowledge you get a pop quiz before you mm. get your branching ending so th that that hopefully <laughs> who knows how long that'll take and i keep moving back the the re the release date because steam asks you for an internal release date when you put something on their store page and i've moved huh. that many times <laughs> but this time i'm probably kind of sort of mean it that it will it will be launching this year probably nice. that Nice. It sounds yeah. ambitious, so I understand. That. <laughs> but that's great to hear that uh, it might be coming up here pretty soon. That's great. Yes, yes. So speaking of Crimson Diamond, it sounds like that maybe is what sort of led to your relationship with Sweet Baby Inc. Is mm -hmm. that, am I correct in assuming that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Kind of indirectly. My, first, um, it's kind of funny because I mentioned I I showed the Crimson Diamond first publicly at something called Wordplay in 2018 here in Toronto, and Zalavir Nelson Jr. was a speaker at Wordplay 2018, and I and I actually missed out on seeing him. Now, now Zalavir Nelson Jr. is the founder of Strange Scaffold, and he's the lead on. He works on about 10 to 12 games at a time. I would say he's kind of a, like a, a multitasking management genius and super creative. But I, I kind of missed it. It was kind of like, yeah, like uh, ships passing in the night. I, I, I saw that he was going to be in Toronto and I saw that he was giving a talk, but I was at my table um, showing the game and I got really busy with that and I didn't have anyone else with me so I could kind of get them to take care of the table. And I, so I, I did, I missed all the talks pretty much. Um, so I didn't get to meet him at that time, but I did meet him later at um, online at something called the Games Industry Gathering, which is which is a kind of a video call thing that would happen every week. And you would kind of get to know other people in the industry, which I wanted to do because I was just getting started. I saw him there. And then at PAX 2020 in Boston, PAX East, I was I did a panel. And after the panel, I just ran into him outside of the panel room. And I, I talked to him really briefly then. And then later on after that, he messaged me over Twitter asking me if I wanted to work with him on Space Warlord Organ Trading Simulator because Space Warlord, or like, or, uh, Warlord Organ Trading Simulator has a very specific kind of like lo-fi gr green and black kind of a look that the pixel art is, is very kind of looks retro in a way although the game the game is not really retro but it, it has it has some of those influences and I, I got to work with him and strange scaffold on that and then after or during slash after that he asked me if i wanted to work come work with him um with strange scaffold and with sweet baby on recommendation dog and that's kind of how that got started very interesting so um you were brought on as an art director yes. for Recommendation Dog, yes. but after listening to the official Playdate podcast mm -hmm. and some of your sound clips there, it sounded like this was a pretty new position for you. Can you talk to us about that a little bit? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I, well, I, as a freelance illustrator for 10 years, I was very used to being art directed. 
I had never been on the other side of that. And when Zeliver asked me if I'd like to take on that role, I, I, I said, I've never done that before. I, I don't have experience with that before. And I was really worried about that. Um, but I, I had a video call with uh, with David Bedard, who is one of the founders of Sweet Baby. And we you know one of the first things out of my mouth is like, I don't I've never done that before. I have no idea what, <laughs> what I'm doing. And he what he said was really great. And it, it really it made me feel a lot more confident about it, because what he said is actually um, we want people. We want people who are kind of new to the industry, who can learn these roles in a supportive environment. This is going to be, you know, it's going to be a pretty you know, relatively small project, relatively small team. And, you know, you will have this opportunity to learn in, and grow into this role. And I thought that was was perfect, a completely, utterly perfect first art directing experience. I got to find a junior artist to work with. Raphael um, was wonderful and he was wonderful to manage. It was the first time I'd ever managed an artist. It was just it was just, just a small team. Me and him were working on the art for, for a recommendation dog and, you know, taking feedback, working in a team. Like the first time I'd ever worked on a team at all was Space Warlord Organ Trading Simulator, having had all this time just completely being solo and also being solo, not only in freelance illustration, but in on the Crimson Diamond. Uh, it was a, a kind of a learning curve to to be collaborative that way, but uh, it was an incredible experience. And, and I love working on teams and, and love that experience of not having to take care of just about everything. You get to really specialize. And of course, art, art is, is the thing I'm most comfortable with. And and the art direction part kind of, it, it, I think it came a little bit naturally to me just because I was used to knowing what it was like on the other side of that and knowing how I'd want to be approached in terms of what kind of art direction I'd want or what kind of guidance I want and how specific I would be with my instructions. Yeah. So can you break down these duties a little more mm -hmm. for me between you and Raphael? Uh, is Raphael doing all the art? Are you also arting part <laughs> of Recommendation Dog? Like what, who's doing what? And then maybe after you demystify that, could you also talk to us about your art directorial um, ethos like how do you approach oh, sure. somebody uh because i'm so used to seeing your art on crimson diamond mm -hmm. that's all your work mm -hmm. uh so I, i'd be interested to hear how you sort of conceptualized approaching somebody about their own artwork and changing it to suit a particular project yeah yeah um the 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 art in the game there there's a fair amount actually surprising amount because of the nature of what the game is and what the game is is you you kind of you're this dog who works at an, a kind of an employment agency and you're ro running through this rotary organizer and placing clients with these contract workers and we actually i i, I went into our our documents and i double checked we did about i, I think about 171 portraits Wow. for this thing and um well early on in the design we were talking about maybe we wanted to do kind of like a paper doll mr potato head type of thing where you're swapping out different eyes and noses to make faces on the fly and we eventually decided that we, we were just going to just do some super quick very very simple art for all the portraits because it was going to take a while to figure out a system of doing a paper doll approach and it, the whole project from beginning to end i think was about six months um, which is pretty, which is which is pretty short, and there's only the two of two of us artists, and so it's kind of like you have to take time to decide what you're going to do, but that takes time out of the project when you're trying to figure out what what approach you're going to take. We eventually decided it was easy, it, it was easier just for us to do the 171 portraits, and out of the portraits, I did about 67 of the portraits, and Raphael did a, about 104, give or take. Oh, interesting. I would never have guessed they look like they're from the same hand. That's really really interesting. Did you have some sort of a uh 
a template to work yes. from sizing yes. uh, any stipulations for those portraits i know most of them have like sort of an an absence of facial yes, features yes. but can you talk to us about that a little yeah, bit yeah yeah absolutely the the thing about about the, the the one of the challenges about this was yeah it was a very um quick relatively quick and small project and we knew that we wanted to develop all of these portraits, 170 plus portraits, and we wanted them to look consistent. And yes, I did come up with a template. the 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 um the the Playdate uh, screen is actually it's very high resolution for its size. It's 400 by 240 pixels, uh, but it's 173 pixels per inch. It's very very fine. But what I decided is well in pixel art, one of the one of the major factors in terms of production time and complexity is the resolution you're working at what i decided pretty quickly was that we're not going to do super fine detailed pixel art because that's just going to blow up every, you know if, if every portrait takes you know two hours versus every portrait takes five hours you're multiplying by 170 and it becomes completely unwieldy to do that i decided immediately that i'd be doubling the the size of the pixels for the display um so we were technically we were kind of working more with like a 200 by 120 display and that's why the pixels are as chunky as they are there are other games in 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 that you can get in a play date which have these gorgeous more fine-tuned very fine lines type of art but immediately i knew that that wasn't going to be possible with with the timeline and the budget that we had um and also when it's a lower resolution it's a lot easier to make things look more uniform I had I had I built a template and I had some design instructions for Raphael where I said, you know, we want to keep these really simple, but I don't want it to be like because there's so little detail in the faces and the only real detail you're getting is kind of like what they're wearing and their hair and their you know accessories and things like that. I don't want them to be mirrored exactly. I don't want any perfectly symmetrical portraits because that's going to make them look more mechanical. And it's fairly easy to like maybe mirror them to start and then me and then creating a bit of asymmetry in, in the portraits wouldn't take very long. But yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's a huge consideration when you're thinking about time per portrait because you have to multiply everything by 170 when you when you're thinking that way. And, and yeah, Raphael did the lion's share of the portraits. Um, for the rest of the design, I, I, for the most part, took care of the rest of it, except for some of the um, animation. When, when you get a correct or incorrect um, play, a job placement, there are animated X's and things like that. So that's Raphael did those as well. But I did sort of the main animated title card, which, which you see when you're scrolling and you pick recommendation dog and there's a bit of a... a you know, dancing font animation, the start screen, the interior of the office was an, the, the, another thing that I did, which was a scrolling, it was just a scrolling screen. You look up and you look down that, which is something that I'd never done before. The, the, the amount of information that we needed on the screen was actually quite a lot because you had these, the contract workers had these different attributes. So you had to have, you know, however many, I, was it six attributes or something? And the scale of, you know, zero to 10 for the attributes and their name. And we wanted to make sure that we didn't use too small of a type because we wanted this to be very accessible to pe well, people, uh, you know, who might not be able to see that well, or, you know, that the screen itself is not backlit. We wanted to make sure it was ultra legible for people, um, which meant the font fonts had to be quite large. And that also presented a problem because you don't want everything to look squished. There, there was a real challenge in, in information design of the game because also there's this 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 hourglass is, that's ticking down because it's indicating how much time you have left to make your selection and of course there's also this aspect of people coming into the office and and them them delivering their requests and things like that um the, there's also um, um if people do get to it there is a little ending cutscene 
which if you complete all your rounds successfully and I, and, and I, and took care of that as well. Yeah. Very neat. Yeah. One of the, I hope I'm not spoiling anything here, but it's one of the few times we get to see the dog, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I thought that scrolling environment from when you look up to see your customer and then looking down at the, mm -hmm. the rotary organizer. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, it was really seamless and worked quite well. Uh, oh, good. I'm glad. Is, was that, was that scrolling screen your idea or did that come up in a group setting or how did that come about? I can't, I can't remember. I did. I, I reviewed the design document that we did have um, in preparation for this. And it, it didn't really, I don't really remember if it said anything in particular, but I, I think pretty early on, I did realize that that would be something that would be necessary just because of, yeah, the size everything had to be to be legible and just the amount of information. Um, so that, that happened pretty early on. Um, yes. And speaking to kind of the design philosophy behind the art direction for the game, what, what I've, I love about the play date is it's black and white. It's incredible. I, 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 <laughs> When I first started illustrating, my first love was, yeah, like comic books and manga and all that. So black and white is this gorgeous to me. And the idea that I'm working on this thing that has is only black and white was was incredibly appealing. And that was another challenge, of course, because I talked about how much information has to be on the screen. Well, we also have to make information look clear and we only have black and white to do it in and in, in a very specific um, resolution and specific dimensions. And that that kind of got me thinking about the contrast, because contrast is all that we have really to work with here. And I was thinking a bit about, well, I think one of the first reasons I, I started to think about the idea of darkness and lightness in, in the scene was uh, one of the things Zaliver wrote in the design document was that we, first of all, we needed a minimal, minimal pixel portraits. And also for the clients that were coming in, he said, we depict the presence of a client but not the client themselves. This is for budget reasons. Imagination is the greatest production resource of all. Th there was already an idea where we didn't want to be that specific with, with the people coming in because we were we couldn't, we made about 20 clients that would come in through the door, but we couldn't make them super specific and we couldn't make the contractors super specific either because it would seem really kind of limiting. And when, when he mentioned this idea of depicting the client and, and not depicting them, one of the things I thought was, okay, maybe we're just going to see like their their chin down or something. We're not going to see the face. Um, but design-wise, that wasn't really working so well. I, I I think I'm the one who came up with this idea of like the silhouette coming in through the door. This idea of you're only, and that was great from a production standpoint too, because you only have to do the silhouette and don't have to worry too much about what they actually look like and all the line work and all the details you could possibly squeeze in. But this idea of the way the light was was shining in through the windows and when the door bursts open the light is bursting in from the outside and you're kind of this dog at this desk and you're kind of it's cozy and stuff but you're kind of in the darkness and you're not seeing all this detail because that was definitely a, a positive production note um but the idea of that contrast was what was really appealing to me and using a lot of the dark on the screen as a way to kind of give that impression which is not not an approach I'm, I'm really used to, um, because of the crimson diamond. Of course, it's it's much more it's much more colorful and the pixel is much more dense pixel wise. Um, but yeah, I mean, speaking of the kind of the the ending, no spoilers or anything. But the concept the conception of the ending 
Well, I guess can I kind of spoil it. Will you will you allow me to spoil the ending or should we not? I I am the one host of the podcast who does not <laughs> mind a spoiler. So if anybody listening is afraid of spoilers, <laughs> maybe turn it off for a few seconds. But okay. yes, let's hear it. <laughs> okay. Well, well, the idea for me, what 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 Oliver wrote for the ending is, you know, he wanted the ending to be, you know, recommendation dog gets to go home with a family. They, you know, he they the recommendation dog jumps into their arms. But for me, what I wanted at the very ending is I wanted him to actually get to go outside to leave the darkness and go out into the light where there's the people and all like all that stuff that he's sending people out to do, sending the plumbers out on assignments, sending, you know, singers and sending psychologists and sending personal trainers out into that bright world that he's not getting to go into. The ending is you get to go into that world too. And that's what I wanted to, to kind of be a nice kind of way to tie up all the, like the theme of the dark and the light and getting to, to go out on your, um, with, with your, with your loved ones. Very cool. Yeah. I, I think it's so interesting to hear you talking about the logistics behind the artwork, like essentially cleaving the resolution of the play date in half <laughs> so that things are much more clear and so that it's much quicker to produce each uh, portrait and each uh, client that's coming in. Uh, I was under the assumption that because uh, I know Sweet Baby Inc. is very interested in um, giving opportunities to underrepresented mm -hmm. designers and programmers uh, that the lack of detail was so that hopefully more people could see themselves in each of these portraits and clients uh, that are in silhouette. Uh, but it sounds like, at least from what you're saying, that it was more of a concern for time and budget is that is that correct? Or is it sort of an amalgamation of all those things? We definitely we definitely took diversity into consideration in the depictions of the characters. I, we wanted to be very conscious about depicting all kinds of age groups and ethnicities. The thing, of course, the challenge is being you don't have a face, right? So the, all the other stuff surrounding like the hair, the way the hair was, you know, we've got someone with a headscarf. We've got, you know, all these other different way to depict like culture and like age and all these other things but yeah the this the, the the challenge of having diversity but also ha having that blank face and also like the black and white i mean there's only so much you can do like we're not going to be able to really represent too too much altogether but even with like the clients who have a full body silhouette we wanted to have a, a range of body types a range of ability all these things um because yeah what we what, what the benefit is of of bringing these people in from all these diverse backgrounds to work on something is you have this desire to reflect that diversity in the project that you're making and of course the 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 end goal being hopefully is that when people are playing it you get a more diverse you know selection like broad audience of people who will also see themselves in the game that you're making and so it's kind of like a win-win situation um yeah sweet babies really really concentrates and really celebrates and champions people who don't have a lot of the game experience and getting those first game credits. And it's so it's so vital to get that opportunity to get your foot in the door um, that, yeah, they, they've been absolutely wonderful to work with um, all the way through this. Yeah. And and even as a player, it was so refre refreshing to see diversity within a game that it wasn't just another white male being depicted. <laughs> There's plenty of those. Uh, so it was uh, really a joy and to touch on one of the things that you were mentioning earlier about legibility, you know, this podcast is put together by a group of three friends who are all 
in their 40s. And so one of the things we mentioned is legibility. Like, could we see the thing? And that was one of the things we mentioned about um, recommendation dog is that it was quite legible. Uh, and and I, I think that all these things you're citing from, uh, you know, thinking about contrast, you know, the lights pouring in, there's a silhouetted figure. It's very easy to see, but then also even as you hop down to the, uh, rotating, thank you. Yes. Yeah. Um, that was super legible too. And at a very fast clip That's as you're rotating key. through yeah. that, you had to be able to look at it at a glance and yes. make a quick judgment as a player about if you were going to accept it or not. Um, so anyway, hats off to you and Thank the team you. for making Thank that you. happen. Yeah, that's definitely, I did want to touch on that briefly too, is yeah, the idea that not only um, because of the way that the Playdate screen is designed, but also the way that the game is designed. This It is it is speed is a factor and legibility is very important when you're flipping through the the rotary organizer to select the proper the proper card. And it was extremely important to us that that would, that would be something that was easy to do. Yeah, yeah. It, it also made a lot of sense when you started talking about cleaving the res the resolution of the play date so that there's less to work with. I feel like I have a much greater appreciation for that statement after having tried to produce some pixel art <laughs> on my own. I've been doing this like uh, 16 by 16 pixel grid uh, exercise where there's a bunch of different animals to create in 16 by 16. And then at the end of the month, it bumps up to 32 and Ugh. it doesn't seem like it's going to be all that much, but there's four times as many pixels. Yeah. And I was so surprised at how daunting yes. those additional 16 pixels oh in either directions were. So I, I completely understand <laughs> you talking about pulling the number of pixels down so that you're basically working with quad pixels instead of single pixels on the play date that's really interesting yeah it, it's like i guess it's what logarithmic scale mm -hmm. of 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 complexity when you're going you're basically just doubling everything yes um, double 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 um that's also something we thought about and when we started working on space warlord organ trading simulator mm -hmm. is um the there are these trader portraits and these organ portraits the organ portrait the organs for, are, are these little inventory display icons for like hearts and lungs and things like that and originally we were i was trying to squeeze it into 16 by 16 pixels I was trying, but I, I said, I can't, <laughs> I can't, do, I can't do like what we're trying to depict. I can't. So we, we bumped them up, I think to 25 by 25, but we started smaller because the idea is if you can get away with doing it smaller, it's going to save you so much time in, in the long run. And, and also the, the portraits for that game were, I think 50 by 50, um, pixels and of course just green and black again, like just the, the one color you get to work with, but absolutely. I'm a big fan of trying to just make it make everything as, as simple as possible because if you can get if you can convey the idea and the information that way it, it, you're going to really be grateful because there's so many other things to do in a game beyond just the art that well, that, that surprises <laughs> me because your environments and character design for the crimson diamond are so rich like they uh, <laughs> I, I would not expect those words to come out of your mouth after seeing your artwork for the Crimson Diamond. Well, here, here's uh, the difference with, with Crimson Diamond is that I don't have a publisher. I'm self-publishing. I don't have anybody else's deadline except for my own. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, basically like self self-funding this. So I, 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 when you have, when you're working with other people's money and other people's time, you're working on teams, that's when you got to really, um, <laughs> 
And, and you know, that's a that's a good thing. You know, it's a double edged sword, right? Because I could spend forever just tweaking everything in the Crimson Diamond and making it as perfect and gorgeous as possible. But then it's just never going to come out. Um, but on the on the flip side of that, yeah, you have these time pressures, you have, you know, bottlenecks that happen in, in production and workflow where, OK, well, everything's being held up by this one thing. Well, we can't have that happen and we need to plan everything and communicate everything and and make it so the other artists can do this stuff, too. And also we need to be able to finish this when we said we were going to finish it. And and that's almost <laughs> when I was doing freelance illustration, I always I always figured that the number one thing is it has to be on time. Because it's going to press. The thing is going to press. They can't, you know, it's going to be blank otherwise. It's almost like it, this is not the way it is, it is in games because games have a lot of, of course, are a lot more involved than in just an illustration would be. But it has, it's better to have something in that empty space. And, and it being good is like a bonus and being, it's like a secondary consideration. It has to be on time. And I've always been super, super good about keeping to other people's deadlines which is great but then when I, i'm left to my own devices it's easy to fall into that that you know the rabbit hole of just i want to just go back and fix everything <laughs> you can't, it, it does need to come out eventually and so that's that's a lesson i have to learn on my own too that's that's really interesting i would imagine that your experience with newspapers early on in your career probably has something to do with your respect for deadlines oh, absolutely absolutely oh. even still i was working it was basically me on my own but like when i'm starting to work with other people that that feeling of obligation becomes compounded because <laughs> i don't want to hold anybody else up i don't want to disappoint these other people that are counting on me like that is absolutely like an absolute no-no for me for sure yeah yeah well, speaking of working with other people and Sweet Baby Inc. and your first art directorship, uh, I'm curious, has this position opened you up to any additional offers? Are there new art director jobs or <laughs> game designing jobs that are being opened up to you because of this experience with Recommendation Dog at Sweet Baby Inc.? Or is it too soon to say? I think it's too soon to say it just recently got uh, released onto the Playdate catalog, which is, of course, their on device, their on device um, e-store, which is it's free, though. That and Real Steel, which are both produced by Sweet Baby Incorporated, are totally free on the Playdate. You, you don't even need to fill in, I don't think, any credit card information to even obtain those ones. Um, so it, it's a bit too early to tell, I think. But yeah, I would I would really love to to do more art direction if possible. And I also really my, my first love, of course, is making the art in the first place. That's kind of where my heart is. I would love to do more pixel art. I would love to do more, you know, limited palette pixel art, EGA pixel art, any type of other art. I actually um, recently got to work with, I mentioned Francisco Gonzalez as someone who was someone who really inspired me because he's been making Adventure Game Studio games for years and years. I actually got to create some art for his for his game that was, it's kind of pixel art, but almost kind of not. It almost looks like um, hand-tinted Victorian watercolors in engravings, um, which was really a really nice thing to do. I, so I love doing stuff like that with uh, co collaborating with other game developers and getting, getting to do some work for them. Um, but yeah, I, it's kind of interesting because at, <sighs> In a way, I'm looking forward to releasing the Crimson Diamond because it's been it's the culmination of years of you know learning and years of like effort. But at the same time, I have no idea what I'm going to do after this, and that's it freaks me out. I I like to know where I'm at. I like to know what I'm doing, and just kind of not knowing. It should excite me, but it's just terrifying, actually. Um, but I, I'm hoping to do, yeah, maybe more more contract work, maybe something, maybe full time at maybe an indie studio or something would be great doing pixel art. 
um, or, uh, you know, other type of art. I don't know what I'm going to be doing, depending on how well the Crimson Diamond does. The ultimate, of course, would be I'm going to go right into the, well, have a bit of a break and also have to fix all the bugs that people will inevitably find after launch. But I would love to continue to make my own living, making my own projects for sure. And also getting to work on contract stuff like with Zalavir and Sweet Baby, all that stuff would be really awesome. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Um, that's another reason why I think it's so important for me to, you know, get to work uh, every opportunity to get to work with with these wonderful people, because who knows what's going to come around the corner? I certainly don't know. And and I should I should learn to see that as a positive. <laughs> as a planner, I understand mm. <laughs> that that can be trepidatious. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I, I would think that once you release the crimson diamond in its entirety that's going to be one heck of a portfolio piece um <laughs> and if that doesn't get you work i don't know what will it's incredible uh before we sign off here i did want to touch base with you about one thing that is near and dear to my heart which is pixel art cross stitching mm -hmm. So I've done some of this myself and then lo and behold, I saw you were working on a cross stitch project uh, featuring a scene from the Crimson Diamond. Yes. So is this your first foray into <laughs> pixel art cross stitch? Have you done this before? How did this come about? I I've, I've never really been able to, uh, to chat with you uh, about <laughs> it like this before. So I'd love to hear your background on cross stitching. Of course. Yeah. I, I'd never done cross stitching before. I, I, the only reason I had actually gotten started with the cross stitching was uh, I think for a Christmas, I was given one of those craft magazines and sometimes these crafting magazines have these little projects in them. And, and the little one that was in this particular crafting magazine was like this cross stitching little, um, like Christmas tree that you could then stuff with bat cotton batting and then make it into like a 3D little Christmas ornament. It was the cutest thing ever. It was my first time I'd ever done any type of cross stitching. And then I looked at it. And of course, I'm like, naturally, naturally, the light bulb goes off in my head. This I could really do maybe some like pixel art with this. This is absolutely perfect because the Ida cloth base is, is grid based, of course. And and the embroidery floss comes in the hundreds of colors. Um, I so I, I kind of started to look for the the EGA palette in the embroidery floss. Which, which would, I think you know about that challenge and trying to match up colors, not only just, it's not going to be screen accurate, we know, we know that, but trying to get the colors that are going to work together well, while trying to be as faithful as possible to what we see on the screen. Um, that's, that's, that was definitely a journey. I, I think I've settled on a particular palette and I'm like having the time of my life. I've done, um, you know, I know we're not going to, this is not going to be a video podcast or anything, but I don't know if you've, I've been, I've been tweeting some of those. Oh, they're getting, they're getting, uh, oh no. Anyway, wow. you can kind of see some of those. So Julia is currently holding <laughs> up a number of cross-stitch portraits yes. from the Crimson yeah. Diamond. And I saw the one of your main character, but yes. I didn't realize you'd done half a dozen of them. Those yes. also look quite large. Like how many pixels by pixels or squares by squares are each of those portraits? These ones are, you know, these are one by one to one, a one to one reproduction of of the screen. But number of pixels by number of pixels per portrait. Oh, oh, I'm not, um, ooh, like maybe are they about 60. I don't know. That's a good question. I'm not sure. I know that the room is is almost, you know, 200 pixels, like which is uh, it's getting blurred out. But the room is about 200 pixels. So I, I would think maybe like 
60 or something i'd have to get back i'd have to get back to you on that but um i'm now thinking after i finish this particular the pixel art room that i'm doing for the crimson diamond i want to start doing other ega games because now i have the palette locked down at least the one that i like i've been playing i i do streaming as well i stream on tuesdays um crimson tuesdays where I, (laughs) i i do pixel art for for my game on stream with which is um non-spoilery so if people if people do want to watch that i don't spoil any of the story details i'm upgrading introductory sequence art and um it's oh i lost my train of thought just then um because i just had a ding and all of a sudden i'm all 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 it's (laughs) upgrading introductory art for the crimson diamond yes i'm updating introductory art for oh yes yeah so not only am i updating introductory art for the crimson diamond but i also do let's plays and i've been let's playing ega adventure games the same color palette but like from other studios and especially from like the late 80s and the early 90s that same same era and um i've been uh, i've been having a lot of fun and really appreciating the way that i'm getting to see other game developers solve the problem of the resolution and the palette and how they how how they show things and how they do their you know in the ui i guess the user interface and all those different problems and how they're solving them i find i find very fascinating and and i'm a big fan of of seeing the different styles of ega art and i think my next one will be a legend of the sword um little little cross stitch very neat yeah just to give folks an idea of pixel density here um the the cross stitch I'm currently working on is a Mega Man 2 stage select screen where there's this like three by three matrix of bot baddies and every single one of those bots in the frame is roughly 50 pixels by 50 pixels, right. you know, plus or minus. Um, but each one of those has taken me roughly a month to produce. <laughs> and you've got portraits there that look like they're even bigger than that. So to produce six of those, I would imagine that's taken you a while to produce. Yes. Yes, they do. You know, it's funny about cross stitches. People ask, oh, you're going to sell that. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> it, it took too long. Just so much time invested. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I would love to sell little cross stitch kits where I have my, you know, some, the, the, this, the embroidery floss hand selected and a little square of Ida cloth for people if they wanted to, to go for that. But the actual labor involved is, it's, it's way too much to, to monetize that, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea to either sell kits or, yeah. or PDF patterns or something. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's a little yeah. more accessible than actually making a whole bunch of them. <laughs> Very cool. Well, Julia, thank you so, so much for your time today. This was really a pleasure. Uh, I also wanted to open up this forum to you to chat with our listeners about anything you wanted to. Is there anything that I did not think to ask that you wanted to put out into the playdate sphere <laughs> for folks to know about? Yeah, sure. I, I mean, I guess I can quickly talk about kind of how the play date, how much I love the play date, I guess. I guess we can talk about that. Um, Do you have your own physical play date? Oh, my yet? goodness. I, I have five, too. Fantastic. <laughs> um, okay. So, so what happened, what happened with this is uh, when I first started streaming, um, Cable Sasser, who's, I, I guess, one of the founders at Panic, you just never know who's watching. And he he was watching one of the streams and I, I found a tool in Photoshop 
that I hadn't known was there. And I've used Photoshop for 20 years or whatever. And so you think you know something. And it was something that was really something I was doing a workaround to achieve the same effect, having no idea that the answer to my, you know, what I needed was right in front of my face. And someone in chat told me how to do this and it kind of blew my mind. And he he found it super relatable in terms of like, yeah, never, you just never know. You never know, you know, your software perfectly. And uh, he, he put this, he, he asked me for permission and he put this like clip together of me discovering this tool for the first time. And uh, he, we, he got in touch and he said, you know, you know, really like your work and stuff. And would you like to make a play date game? And I said, I'd love to make a play date game. Cause I, as soon as I saw what the play date was, I'd known about it before he even contacted me, this, the, the form factor, and just the idea that it was just going to be a little like a bit of a throwback device. And I'm, I'm kind of all about the throwback devices and having having had a lot of fond memories. I, I even brought like, yeah, I mean, I knew this wasn't going to be video, but I mean, my, my original Game Boy, I've got the Game Boy Advance. I've got, you know, the DS and everything and just the fond memories around those consoles. This idea that there was going to be this new thing that would have new games on it kind of blew my mind. And when Cable um, invited me to make a game, I completely jumped on the chance. He sent me one of the de developer models. And <laughs> not soon, I think soon after that, though, that's when Zalivar contacted me about making Recommendation Dog. And I thought, okay, well, that's this is perfect because I already know I want to and I've already kind of been asked. And so, yeah, let's, do, let's totally do this. I do feel like I still owe Cable a, a game though because <laughs> I, I didn't make one completely on my own um I, I made it i made recommendation dog with a team of course and i would like that's one on my bucket list of things to do after uh after i launched the crimson diamond is to make my own playdate game i would really love to do that Be because what excited me and what kind of brought me back to gaming was this explosion that i mentioned of indie gaming of this digital distribution of the more approachable tools Adventure Game Studio is free. It's freeware. It's you can you can sell you can make games in Adventure Game Studio and sell them. But this idea that there can be a handheld console that you could easily develop for it's just so alluring. It's an amazing and I, I don't really follow this stuff too much, but I don't know how how often that's done and the way Playdate's done it, where you can sideload these games. You don't you can try to sell your your game on on Playdate catalog, but on Itch.io you can find tons of games you can sideload, and and Playdate never sees a dime of that stuff. Really, um, it's it's so admirable the way that they've approached developing developing for the Playdate, and this that first wave of oh my gosh, you can you can make anyone can make a game. And, and 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 kind of sell that game. Well, now anyone can make a game for a handheld console and sell it. And I think that's so exciting. And that's another reason that I love the Playdate so much. It's really opening the door for people to have that little, that experience of having that little handheld portable gaming device. And like we had back when in the day, but only better, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, and people like you who also, I, I'm assuming you love the Playdate because you have something called the Hello Playdate podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, having this opportunity to just connect people who have the same like keen love for this type of technology and and being able to develop something easily for something like this is is completely intoxicating. I would say it's it's a completely it's a wonderful thing and just everyone that I've met who who's been passionate about Playdate have been wonderful people. So thank you. Thank you for having me on and and giving us us this space to chat. Of course, yeah. Yeah, and uh we at the Hello Playdate podcast share your sentiments. Of course, we love the Playdate and we're constantly uh in awe at Panic's 
ability to or willingness to blow this development platform wide open mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that anybody can create something. It's just it seems so uh, out of the ordinary yeah. and refreshing. And, uh, you know, I think they've released some statistics like one year statistics. And I think there's over 400 games that have been developed for the play date already in year one. That's amazing. That's insane. Yeah. 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 Mind boggling statistics. And it's not like like, they're stopping either. (laughs) Like with pulp too. I mean, they're they're developing Mm -hmm. pulp, which is like an in browser. I'm sure, you know, your, your listeners know all about pulp, but this, this commitment to, yeah, making something approachable for anyone to, to make a game side loaded on, on their play date, play it. Even you don't even need a play date to play these games. You can actually have the emulator up on your, your, your desktop and you can blow the game up really big or you can you know just play it on um on there it's, it's wonderful what, what they've been doing in terms of um making it so anyone can play anyone can make stuff for it yeah yeah so just just real quickly i know you've got the crimson diamond ahead of you mm-hmm. but have you opened up pulp at all have you played around with that are you learning lua in hopes <laughs> of <laughs> creating your own game after the crimson diamond like how far into Playdate development have you explored? I, I've I've played a bit with Pulp, like really a really early version of Pulp. I, I I did play around with it a little bit. I do have some ideas for games. There's two ideas for games that I, I was I was definitely thinking about adventure games, but kind of you know with a with a crank twist. Huh. Um, definitely was thinking about that. And and in terms of uh, yeah, there's Lua, and then I guess there's C or C plus or I don't remember which which version it is. But yeah, I, another thing that's on my bucket list, even exclusive of the Playdate, but just wanting to learn more programming because I'm self taught and I feel like. I'm everything that I've done in terms of making the Crimson Diamond work is extremely like rudimentary type of programming. And I would love to learn more programming and to make it easier for myself to make the next one, be able to do more with 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 the game engine than than I can currently do. But that's going to extend naturally to making a Playdate game, hopefully, uh, when I when I get a better handle on 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 some programming language or other. Nice, nice. Well, I'm glad you feel beholden to cable so that maybe we can get another <laughs> julia game out of this <laughs> yes in the, in the meantime thank you so so much for sharing your time with us today this was really a joy talking with you and recommendation dog is another joy of a game so thank you for your contribution to the playdate community this has been really fun oh thank you no thank you so much for having me it's it's a pleasure to connect and yeah get to have this conversation and and talk a little bit about the cross stitching as well um (laughs) this is yeah this all this is is kind of why the crimson diamond has been such a wonderful experience for me is that if it had not been for that we wouldn't be talking right now um so in, in in a way it kind of of course i would love the game to sell really well of course that's the dream but even if it doesn't like everything that's come along with making the game that's not going to be taken away from me and so i'm super grateful for the experiences that i've gotten and and the lessons i've learned and the people that i've met all through this one kind of project and that's including this recommendation dog awesome well that sounds like as good a place to stop as any so (laughs) again thank you so much for joining us today julia and best of luck with the crimson diamond and any other future projects you've got coming down the line thank you so much